Here on Gadget Lab, we dive deep into the tech universe, tackling questions like, is giving companies access to your genetic material a good idea? And are the latest phone releases really that different than the last ones? We want to help you make informed decisions about what is worth your attention. And here's something that is undeniably worth your time, a digital subscription to Wired. Lucky for you, we are giving Gadget Lab listeners an exclusive discount, 20% off an annual subscription to Wired. Just visit Wired.com and use the promo code GL20 to get 20% off a digital subscription. Use GL20 to get exclusive access to stories on the latest innovations like AI, deepfakes, and VR, as well as today's most talked about people in technology. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Mike. Lauren. If I asked you what the most popular podcasts are, not your favorite shows, but generally the more popular shows, what do you think their common theme would be? Well, I think of people like Joe Rogan, of course, Mm -hmm. uh, and other shows of that ilk, which is like confident men interrupting each other into microphones with their opinions. Ding, 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 ding. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a lot of the most popular podcasts are pretty bro-y. Oh, they are? Yeah, I mean, not all of them, (laughs) but a lot of the most popular podcasts are hosted by these charismatic, long-winded men who have, um, shall we say, unique interview styles and also discuss some questionable topics and interview guests for two hours plus. And I was wondering if maybe the Gadget Lab should give this a try. Are you saying that uh, that you want me, the charismatic, long-winded male, to host this week? I thought this was your turn to host this week. Well, maybe week. we could flip it on its head a little bit, and I could host it, but we can channel some of the vibes of those really popular shows. I mean, on paper, it sounds terrible, but secretly, <laughs> I'm here for it. Yeah, this could fail spectacularly, but let's give it a try. Yes, please. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Gadget Lab. I'm Lauren Good. I'm a senior writer at Wired. And I'm Michael Calori. I'm a senior editor at Wired. And we're joined this week by the head of our fact-checking and research department here at Wired, Zach Jason. Zach is joining us from a bathroom in New York City. Is that correct? That's right, yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad we didn't have to fact-check that one. <laughs> Zach, it's, uh, it's great to have you on the program. Great to be here. It's a privilege. Uh, thank you. So, Zach, you wrote a story this week for Wired.com that I thought would be fitting for our new theme here on Wired's Gadget Lab, which we are calling The Bro Show today. Um, I can't can't believe that we actually decided to do this, but here we are. Um, Zach, I'm going to make you read aloud your headline. What is the headline for this story? The headline for the story is, My Balls Out Quest to Achieve the Perfect Scrotum. Right. (laughs) So you decided to go on a quest to test out these deodorizing sprays marketed at men and people with scrotums. And just so some of you are prepared for what we're really getting into, I wanted to read aloud some of the comments from our Instagram page after Wired's social media team promoted 
Zach's story on the gram. Uh, someone wrote in, this has Pulitzer all over it, to which someone else responded, you mean Pulitzer. Uh, someone else wrote, you okay, Wired? Question mark. Congratulations, you've reached a new low. And um, <laughs> my favorite, these comments are nuts. Uh, the comments are indeed nuts because we are talking about Zach's nuts. Please don't fire me, Condé Nast HR. We're talking about Zach's nether regions. Uh, and I want to hear all about this dive down the rabbit hole to find the perfect ball spray. I think I, in part, I blame Gadget Lab for this. I, like several dozen other Wired colleagues, are a part of the Gadget Lab Slack channel at work. And some months ago, one of our colleagues sent a Slack that began, I think he wrote something like, just been emailed asking if we'd like to review this and trying not to be offended. And it was um, a bottle of sack spray, which is a pH balanced scrotal deodorizer that had lavender and, and chamomile and a few other scents baked in. And being ignorant, I uh, thought this was a joke product. I thought it was like something you'd find at like a Spencer's Gifts. Um, but I Googled ball deodorant and turns out I was I was dead wrong. And there were dozens and dozens of competitors of sack sprays. And I regrettably had to find out why this was a thing. <laughs> and to be fair, you took a very wired approach to this. We're starting a new series here called Rabbit Hole. Our writers really are going to go deep down the rabbit hole. You spent like two months with these sprays, right? Uh, yes, I, I spent two months uh, with a near daily routine of spritzing and spraying and smearing uh, my my scrotum with with way too many of these sprays. And yeah, I think I think my my interest was like twofold. I think for one, I was wondering why was this a thing, why had this become like a seemingly multi-billion dollar industry as, as part of like a some $70 billion men's grooming industry, it became quickly obvious that these scrotal deodorants didn't serve any medical purpose. There wasn't like a new, a novel strand of bacterial flora that was spreading among men. Um, it was clearly just like messaging that was quite effective. Um, so like, what did it say about men's place in the world that like millions of them were spending $30 a pop to make their balls smell like tapioca. <laughs> Is that a desirable? Please continue. I, yeah, I didn't get into that. Um, yeah. And I also, I, I had been feeling a little bit schlubby myself. Uh, you know, I, I was in my early thirties. I had a kid. I had moved to New York and sort of, I don't know, was feeling a little, removed from like who I am and who I once was and like was looking for ways to to you know feel myself again and there was like admittedly some kind of strange appeal of like this is, this is really ridiculous but maybe kind of whimsical to to treat myself in this odd way and so I was mailed who had several dozen um types of sprays to play with and I talked to users and makers and uh, cultural theorists. Yeah. <laughs> so the uh, it seems as though the products were appealing to both your deflated self-esteem and maybe your deflated sense of masculinity. Is that is that what the marketing is really like? Is that the bell the marketing is ringing? Yeah, I think it's appealing toward like a really 
fragile sense of masculinity, a, a, a sense that men have lost their standing in the world, their place in the world, and um, things like skincare and sax praise or like offering the promise to, you know, make yourself smell and feel amazing and, and get yourself back in the game. I think that's part of it. This is also coming out at a time when like there's a lot of dating influencers who are almost like belittling men into doing everything they can to find a mate, uh, including, you know, making themselves smell amazing down there. So after you started using these products and presumably you were doing some internet research and placed some orders for them, what happened to the rest of your online experience? Did you start seeing ads for hair growth products and erectile dysfunction pills and all the things? <laughs> yeah, I, I think there was a lot of ads that were following me. It was it was strange to be reading like the New York Times and and have ads for bulgasmic sack wash, um, you know, throw me. <laughs> Um, I think one of, the, one of the stranger things was as I was looking at some of the influencers who do sponsor content for some of these sack spray manufacturers, the biggest one of them is this company Manscaped, who I think has dozens of ads on a lot of these, these bro-y podcasts. They have like an army of some like 6,000 influencers from every walk of life. There are drag queens, there are UFC fighters, there are dating coaches, there are alpha male influencers. And following them, watching their content for a couple hours, TikTok and YouTube and Instagram started feeding me some more unseemly content, some some like men's rights activist type content, some like misogynistic mm. content. Now, I don't think the purveyors of sax sprays work with those types of influencers, but it was a, it was a quick slope toward some pretty gnarly stuff. Mm. So did they work? <laughs> Did you feel more moisturized? Did you feel more more um, uh, deodorized? And more importantly, did you feel more confident? Mm -hmm. And did you feel more <laughs> like a real man after right. two months of using these things? This is very scientific. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I did not feel like more like a real man. I think one of the main promises of what these sack sprays make is to to make you feel like a refined man to like make you level up and live your best life. But like, you know, when I was removing orgasmic sack wash from you know, my kitchen table to make room for my daughter, daughter's lunch, it did not feel like I was living my best life. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like it's a totally unnecessary thing. Like we've had baths for 50 centuries and they work just as well as any of these products do um i really couldn't quite tell who they were for you know it's not like i'm on the subway a lot i'm in close quarters with people a lot no one is telling me your sack smells fantastic um yeah i i think for the most part i felt just quite silly doing all this but there was i'd say like the, the greatest benefit is just like there's a moment of whimsy in my day like there's this this part of me that is just kind of ridiculous and hanging there um, and giving it some love and spraying it with this silly, heavily scented product. Uh, <laughs> you know, brought it like, it's like, a, yeah, a childlike sense of whimsy. So I can't knock it for that. I have to ask, how did your partner feel about this new ritual of yours? 
Um, she belittled it relentlessly. I think I think one of the first times uh, I used a, a crop exfoliator. Um, I may have one of these products near me. Um, <laughs> and she said at one point that my my testicles smelled like a hospital floor. She said at one point that it smelled like like hot tub water from MTV Spring Break. Um, you know, they were not. Um, uh, you know, I think a, a lot of the ads uh, for, for these products make sex sprays like really presentational. Like use this, you're going to find the hot date. Um, Pete Davidson, who's like America's most... Um, famous dater, really. Most famous dater, yeah, is <laughs> is the face of Manscaped, which is the largest purveyor of, of sax sprays. The implied message in all of his commercials is like, you know, spray this on your balls and, and you can you can be a famous dater as well. But that was not the case with my wife. I mean, there, there's also, this is also part of a growing trend of men manscaping in general, men, men trimming their pubic hair when I used one of the products manscapes lawnmower 4.0 which has a, a 4000 rpm motor and a uh <laughs> like a three thousand k yeah <laughs> um led light i used it and and uh my wife i think there's a line in the piece that she she looked at it in the same way that she looked at my parents dachshund when uh, the groomer got a little carried away so it was yeah no net benefit for my wife <laughs> my parents all right there's yeah. There's so much to unpack here. Zach, we have to take a quick break. <laughs> We're going to take that break. We're going to take some supplements. <laughs> and when we come back, we'll we'll have a two-hour interview with a dubious source. Uh, more of the Gadget Lab Bro Show when we return. This podcast is supported by Tools and Weapons, the podcast hosted by Microsoft Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Each episode features insight you won't find anywhere else from the center of the conversation surrounding emerging technologies like AI. Right now on the podcast, you can hear a special episode where Brad Smith lays out Microsoft's vision for a vibrant marketplace driving the new AI economy. To hear more, follow or subscribe to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. It's Neil. I've got some huge news. Decoder is moving to Mondays and Thursdays. We're adding a second episode of the show. On Mondays, we'll have our classic interviews with CEOs and other troublemakers. I think we're going to have to start having conversations about how do we pay those jobs that can't be done by AI. And on Thursdays, we'll be explaining big topics in the news with Verge reporters, experts, and other friends of the show. There's a new generation of people on the internet. Google search has always sucked for them. So, you know, there's no reason for them to be loyal. They can just go to TikTok. This is going to be really fun. I'm very excited about all this. So go subscribe wherever you get your podcasts now. So, Zach, you said earlier that this isn't just about sack spray. It's about self-care companies offering salves for fragile masculinity. Um, women have certainly had all kinds of beauty products and wellness services marketed to us over the years. And I mean, I think it reached a kind of peak with Goop, which is the Gwyneth Paltrow founded brand that has become the epitome of luxury self-care pseudoscience. But more and more, these brands, and a lot of them are online only or direct to consumer, are trying to use the same playbook with men. Explain how this is actually much bigger than um, than ball spray. Yeah, ball spray is just a drop in the pond in the, the men's self-care 
machine. Um, and there's a, there's a history of hygiene, particularly like scent hygiene, migrating or expanding from women to men. Like I go into it a little bit in the story where deodorants first caught on with women and they were marketed almost exclusively with like the messaging that if you smell like yourself, you're not going to be accepted in polite society. And this was a time when women you know, didn't even have the right to vote. Um, men didn't glom on to the idea uh, that they needed to cover their natural scent until like the Great Depression, when when ads started suggesting that, you know, if a man like brought his natural musk to the office, he would risk his livelihood. And suddenly, you know, when in a time of like economic fragility, men glommed on to, to deodorants. And it's a similar path today with, in some sense, like this is a male equivalent of douching. And it's a similarly economically uncertain time. So men are like increasingly susceptible to messaging that their scent is risking their livelihood. But that's okay. That's like beside the larger point of men's self-care game is exploding. It's like a $70 billion global industry. The celebrity men's skincare line is like the new celebrity tequila brand. I think like Jared Leto and Travis Barker and Idris Elba and a bunch of other male celebrities have their own skincare line. There's like a 400% increase in um, Botox treatments for men over the past 20 years. And and sack sprays are like a very affordable way to, to, to level up. Like now there are like $75,000 leg lengthening surgeries that that thousands of men are doing each year. There are, you know, tens of thousand dollar ab etching surgeries that the men are doing to, you know, just optimize every square inch of their bodies. This is all part of a broader trend. Is there any scientific evidence that men or people with penises need to clean their nether regions? You mentioned pH balance earlier. Does that area need to be pH balanced? That's a great question, and it may have been a fact-checking hole of mine to not dig deeper there. I think there are technologies that are 50 centuries old, baths that do the job just as well as any of these scrotal potions. Um, scrotal for a long potions. Scrotal potions or scrotions, yeah. Scrotions, um, yes. Oh, my God. There it is. So, I mean, what you're talking about is an explosion in marketing, right? And the thing mm -hmm. that I the thing that I noticed both from reading your story and from just poking around in this world is that a lot of these men's grooming companies, they use the same like cheeky tone with a lot of innuendo and sort of like self-effacing humor. So they're walking a fine line, right? They're trying to get men to take their full body hygiene more seriously. And like, you should really wash, son, you should really wash. But they're also making fun of themselves and they're making fun of their customers' bodies. Mm -hmm. And they're being totally sophomoric. Yes. Yeah. Uh, they're yes. they're they're making everything more juvenile than it than it should be for profit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's that's a great takeaway. Um yeah, and I think I think it took some trial and error for these companies to get there. Like Manscaped to come back to them is founded by this guy, Paul Tran, who's in Vegas. And and he told me that, you know, for the first year or two, Manscaped tried out like a very clinical messaging, like you should do this because it's an area that's prone to bacterial growth. And 
men didn't care. They they just like sales were were tanking. And and then once they started, they arrived at this cheeky tone where, you know, yeah, they would have billiard balls anthropomorphized as testicles or, um, you know, hand grenades as, as balls or, you know, sending out tweets like trimming your balls as main character energy. That's when sales started to take off. And yeah, I think they, they, they're all playing this clever game where they're framing, judging your, your testicles as a way to become more of a, a masculine man, but it's also part of self-care. So it's like a, a, a means of tapping into vulnerability while simultaneously enhancing masculinity, which is like, I think for, for many men, like a sense of mild relief, um, like looking for an outlet. I mean, I do feel like in some ways they promise the opportunity to like work on your manhood without like actually working on yourself as a man. Mike, I'm almost afraid to ask if you tried any of these. I have not. Uh, I have used Gold Bond, of course, but I'm sort of averse to scented products in general, you know, like uh, strong deodorants or strong deodorizers or even like my shampoo and my soap and my moisturizing lotion are all unscented just because I, I am a little bit... Um, a little bit adverse to those things on my body. Uh, but I did, I was curious about like what's out there for me. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I noticed this, Zach, you probably noticed this too, but a lot of these companies that sell these things, they offer like product finder quizzes on their websites. Mm -hmm. So I took one of these quizzes. Um, I went to Ballsy's website. Ballsy is another pretty big company in this world. Their their main product is called Ball Wash. So, of course, their URL is ballwash.com. Wow. Um, Kudos to that web manager who secured that domain. Right. Please continue. Uh, okay. So I took the quiz at ballwash.com. It asked me about what my priorities were. The options were things like healthy hair. I want to smell good. I want to stay clean. I want to keep my skin moisturized. It also asked me where I lived. Like if I lived in the suburbs, in the city, in the mountains, on a tropical island. And it asked me, curiously, what my favorite alcohol was. Hmm. Um, there were options for beer, wine, and liquor. There was an option for sober, but there was not one for cider, which I was offended by. Uh, then it asked me for my email address. Uh, just to capture my email address, I gave it foo at ballsack.com. And uh, <laughs> then after procuring my fake email address, offered me a recommendation for three products I could buy. Each of them was $20. There was a scrotal cologne. Mm -hmm. As one uses. Was this nut rub? Uh, yes, it was. It was It was yeah. nut rub. It, it was the, the ocean and air scent mm. of nut rub. Um, quote, modeled after the same incredibly clean and yet not overpowering scent we use in ball wash, ocean and air captures the freshness of aquatic territory, crushed mint leaves, warm brown sugar, and the zest of a lemon. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I Where's the it. air in that? <laughs> what does air smell like? Obviously, you've never been to uh, the, you've never experienced the freshness of an aquatic territory. Uh, obviously, you've never been on a date and said, ooh, you smell like aquatic territory. <laughs> this is hot. Um, it also offered me a scented body wash for my whole body and a collagen face moisturizer oh so they went right in for the kill yeah they were like you want the ball spray but also your face is losing collagen yes because they also asked my age 
Ah, right. Okay. They also asked my age and me Which being of 39. Yes. Mm-hmm. Being of advanced age, I might it might be time for me to start applying collagen face moisturizers. And to be clear, like I didn't buy anything and I, I probably would never use any of these products because of all the scents in them. Um, but, you know, it did. It, it was interesting to me that there was like lifestyle stuff that was sort of shoehorned into this quiz that, you know, is is just about like hygiene. I have one thing to say to all of this, which is welcome to the club. <laughs> Truly, though, one of the women on our Wired Instagram page wrote, so glad men finally have the opportunity to join women in our crippling anxiety around overmanaging things bodies do naturally. Yes. Zach referenced this earlier, but women have been just like pummeled with marketing around vaginal cleansers for years. I mean, for for centuries, right? Douching for people with vaginas Mm -hmm. has been around for a really long time. Um, At one point, Lysol even jumped on the bandwagon. Uh, For for decades, Lysol was the most popular douche and it burned surfaces and just a completely nasty product. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember, (laughs) I mean, growing up in the 80s and 90s, seeing it on the shelves of pharmacies, uh, seeing all different kinds of, of feminine deodorant products. But a lot of OBGYNs say you don't actually need to douche. And now I think what we're seeing a little bit more of now is self-care as a, an indulgence or some kind of balm for, I don't know, everything else that's troubling in the world, right? Like, why have we seen the emergence of 12-step skincare routines? Why are people willing to spend $300 on a jar of luxury lotion that some celebrity says that they need? Mm-hmm. I mean, why do I find YouTube get ready with me in the morning videos soothing? And at the end of the day, like what you're touching on here with this idea that these are being marketed to men at a time of economic precarity and male fragility I mean, maybe in some way, the reason why women have been so susceptible, myself included, to this kind of wellness marketing is because of, um, I mean, as Zach said, like there was a period of time when women were told that they were unclean and they had to do X, Y, Z in order to clean themselves, but they weren't allowed to vote. Mm -hmm. And it could be because of the power dynamic that exists in households. It could be because we make less money than men generally. Um, It's like this way of sort of resting control back over your day-to-day life of saying, well, I'm going to do these little rituals and these self-care and these beauty routines uh, as a way of like, I mean, (laughs) you're not combating any big problems with these but maybe you're making yourself feel a little bit better just in the moment absolutely and and to your point when i told my wife that i was embarking on this journey she said like oh hi guys it's beauty standards like you know welcome uh this is <laughs> sephora for the schlong or goop for the gonads like, uh, we've been waiting for you sorry but your 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 wife sounds like the she should have written the headline yeah she she sounds like the real comedian in the relationship <laughs> she's she's the funny one yeah she's uh much more professionally buttoned up uh than i am but she can grow me better than anyone um yeah I, the, in terms of like this balm or like this idea of control in a time when we have less and less of it. Like I I read this book, A Mind of Its Own, which is a a cultural history of the penis. And it came out in 2001. And it's by this writer, David Friedman. And the the history ends around 2001 with like the explosion of Viagra and Cialis. And the writer attributes that in part to like technology. He says that Technology has rendered nearly all the previous definitions of masculinity obsolete, 
Man is no longer measured by his physical strength, his ability to build shelter to his family, fight in hand-to-hand combat, or draw water from a well. Machines do that for him. Muscles are more symbolic than useful. So the erect penis has become the most powerfully symbolic muscle of them all. I read that to my wife and she just said, wah, wah, wah. Um, <laughs> the the take-home point. But um, it made me think that the book came out more than 20 years ago and that was all before social media, smartphones, and drone strikes, generative AI. Like maybe there's something to like as 21st century technology, like further subsumed humanity's physical and mental lives. Like the logic could follow that so grew the desire to control not just the penis, but like everything around it. Like big tech begets big testes. Oh my God. Okay. Um, we, uh, I, I'm speechless. <laughs> I think we should leave it there. Sorry. All right, let's take another quick break and then we're going to come back with our recommendations, although it, it's going to be hard to top Zach's sack spray. Want a new podcast to look forward to each week? One that's entertaining, informative, and packed with actionable content? Come on, of course you do. Introducing The Jordan Harbinger Show. The Jordan Harbinger Show, which Apple named one of its best of 2018, is aimed at making you a better informed, more critical thinker so you can get a sense of how the world actually works and come to your own conclusions about what's happening, even inside your own brain. Jordan dives into the minds of fascinating people, from athletes, authors, and scientists to mobsters, spies, and hostage negotiators. Search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R, in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. Zach, what's your recommendation this week? I recommend uh, calling your friends on the phone in the middle of the workday, and ideally them not answering, and leaving a voicemail. Um, I know you all talked with Jason Kay a bit about the rise of voice notes um, a few weeks ago on the podcast. I think voicemail is is a lost art. Um, I have a friend who will call me two, three times a week and leave like two, three minute long voicemails, um, just pretending to be various characters, like from an auto auto repair shop or like a hardware store trying to sell me tens of thousands of pounds of Phillips head screwdrivers. And I think it's like, Finding a few moments in the middle of the day to, to like actually connect with a friend and leave a voicemail is uh, a great way to remind yourself you're alive and you have people out there who you can connect with. Okay, this is chaotic because first of all, you're talking about calling somebody on the phone <laughs> and then you're talking about asking them to check their voicemail. So um, if you really want to connect with people, I mean, that's a, um, that's a pretty uh, brutal way to connect with somebody <laughs> but i appreciate I mean, that yeah, about it. It, it i i have a small circle of friends that i i've i've been testing this with um okay so the you, expectation is built in that you may be calling each other on the phone and leaving each other voicemail yeah exactly i mean yeah you you you, you may want to brief them ahead of time or like establish that this is going to be a practice otherwise you may scare them shitless of calling them at 1 p.m and then you and then you're basically encouraging them to not pick up right that's the hope i mean if, if you get them at at the lunch hour or whatever late morning for three minutes it's like you're both in on something that you're you're chit-chatting on company time um, and you feel, yeah, 
just a little bit of burst of masculinity masculinity yeah <laughs> humanity it's, it's another way to fend off the fear of death is by leaving your friend a voicemail i'd say yeah do do either of you leave voicemails or receive voicemails uh i receive voicemails from the people in my life who are older than me and i leave voicemails <laughs> Is that like two people? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I send voicemails to uh, a very a very close circle of, of friends. And these are people who I've had uh, telephone relationships with since before the dawn of the smartphone. I don't receive voicemails. My voicemail inbox has been full since 2019, and I've kept it that way. Again, chaotic. Yes. So no one can leave me voicemails. And then when I leave other people voicemails, it's usually by surprise. Like, I'm calling them. And then it just kind of goes to the inbox and I'm like, uh, and then I feel that I have to preface it with, well, I'm going to do this old fashioned thing and leave you a voicemail. And and then maybe I apologize a little bit, too, for doing it. And then I hang up as quickly as possible and throw the phone down. And I'm like, what did I just do? <laughs> like it's radioactive. Yes. That's the voicemail process now. I, I do. I do voice notes once in a while. Nice. Yeah. It just does, does it not feel good to hear a voicemail to you. No, it feels it feels good. It's just well. <sighs> it's usually a robot telling me that I have a prescription ready to pay. Yeah, up. it's usually for me a public relations person who <laughs> is just checking in and circling back, just checking in, <laughs> following up, circling back, and to you know suggest their like SVP client of a company I've never heard of, and I don't. I have. I'm really, really overwhelmed by messages. Mm -hmm. If I paid attention to the thirty three thousand messages in my inbox on any given day and all the voicemails I would not get anything done yep. um, and I have to I have to prioritize so I don't I don't like receiving voicemails in most cases now and the people who are closest to me will leave little voice notes and we talked about this with Jason if you like it you can save it you can hit keep on iOS and it saves it and if not it just disappears it's ephemeral goodbye and that's Oof. it it's perfect yeah but Zach I you know what I respect that you're coming on this show today you're pitching ball sacks. You're bringing back voicemails. Um, we're talking about fragile masculinity. You're podcasting from your bathroom. Like you're really bringing a lot to the table here. So I very much appreciate this recommendation. <laughs> Mike, what's your recommendation? I am going to recommend a podcast. It is called Bad Dates, and it is hosted by Jamila Jamil. Oh, from The Good Place. Yes. She's uh, great. Yes. She's an actor and a host and an activist. Uh, I think she's a, a Marvel character now. Uh, anyway, she hosts this podcast. It's pretty new. It started uh, at the beginning of March, I think. So it's about six or seven episodes in. And it you is- You know what would make her bad dates better? What's that? Ball spray. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It would make them less agonizing, maybe. I guess. Or at least make them smell better. Let's ask Zach. Um, so the show is people talking about their bad date experiences. Uh, the guests on the show relate their own experiences. Uh, Jamila relates her own bad date experiences. And then there are listener submissions. So people like leave a voicemail or write in an email about their own bad date experience, which she then recounts to the guests. Um, and it is a lot of fun. It is also like very much R-rated, which makes it super fun. Uh, there are some just horrendous stories about dates gone wrong. There are also just some really funny like comedy of errors type stories. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a, it's a really great show. The conceit of the show, which is also sort of their motto, is that everybody has a bad date story. And if you don't have a bad date story, that means you are somebody's bad date story. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Mm-hmm. 
I've had a lot of bad dates, so I'm not a bad date. Uh, by that motto, <laughs> do they do they talk about their bad dates with other celebrities or are these normies? Yeah, no, a lot of them date in the celebrity pool. Like they're all on Raya, you know. Uh. Um, so they there some of them are like, oh yes, this is a famous person, or this is a person when we dated was not famous, and now he is extremely famous, you know. But it's all anonymized, so you don't know who they're talking about. You only get, like, very subtle hints about who they're talking about. And I have not been able to figure out who any of these people are. So That um, sounds really fun. It is. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it's just – it's like, you know, it's gossip, but um, in a in a raunchy package. Is it subscription? It's It works just like any other podcast. You know, it's um, a wondery show. It also appears on Amazon Prime Music. But I think you can get it. Like, I just I don't pay for it. I just get it in my podcast feed, just like any other podcast. It's also a Smartless production. Mm. So it works, I think, the same way Smartless does, where if like you subscribe to their Patreon or whatever, you get an episode a week early, maybe. But I don't know. You can anybody can listen to it anywhere. Uh, it has a regular RSS feed, just like every other podcast. I love Smartless. Yeah. You know what Smartless is? Uh, it's a bro show. It's a bro show. But it's like kind of different than normal bro shows because yeah. they don't do the bro show thing. It's not like Joe Rogan. It's just it's it's three bros. Right. But I like it. Good bros. Yeah. Good. I like that bro show. It is. It is fun. What is your recommendation, Lauren? Um, My sleep was a little off because I had I traveled to New York last week. I was on the East Coast for about five days. And just as I was getting my body was getting adjusted, I, I was flying back to the West Coast. And so... Now, like I'm, I've been tired this week at, you know, 9 p.m. at night. And rather than fighting it and waiting for that second wave where I'm like, no, I have to I have to do some writing. I have to read. I have to watch the TV series. I have to, you know, I'm just giving into it and I'm going to bed at 9 p.m. Nine, nine, really more like 930. It's great. Mm. That's my recommendation for you. If you or if you're typically if you have the ability to and the luxury of going to bed early, don't fight it. Just go to sleep. You're not missing anything. It's like that saying your parents used to say to you like when you were in high school or whatever, like nothing good happens between midnight and 2 a.m. or something. I feel like nothing good happens between 9 and 11 p.m. Oh, but that's when, all the, that's when all the crappy local bands play at the bar on a Tuesday night. Well, good for you. <laughs> Happy for you. Mm. I don't know what's been wrong with me. Actually, I do know what's been wrong with me. Wired published a story a while ago about why you stay up so late. And it was related to the pandemic. And it was like this idea of, of like we do this as a form of revenge, right? That we we feel like we've lost something during our days or something's being taken away from us during our days or we're working too much or we have too many obligations. And so then at night, it's that time for you to reclaim your time. And so you just keep pushing yourself to stay up later and later and later. And I have been really susceptible to that over mm. the past couple of years and staying up way too late. And yet I'm an early riser. So just not getting enough sleep. And this week I've been, I'm just giving in. I'm giving into the 9 p.m. tiredness. I'm going to bed. Nice. That's great. Are you falling asleep? The... Yeah, is I that, am. That's the question you, you, yeah. you, that you ask on your other podcasts. What keeps you up at night? What keep... Thank you for that plug, Zach. <laughs> You're welcome back anytime. Uh, what keeps me up at night? My cat. Uh, his name is Nougat. This is the, the, famous, an the famous android cat uh, who was the inspiration for android Nougat many years ago. Um, but he, you know, he's that aside he's a very cute cat but he's a very active cat and he's a large cat too so when he kind of like comes and sort of clomps on the bed at night it's uh his presence is known <laughs> and i and i wake up typically so he he does keep me up at night but um i i don't know the past few nights it's been i just i really feel like a different person 
I think this is the start of something beautiful, guys. This is we're starting a bro show. Uh, this is the new bro show of Gadget Lab. Uh, I personally want to hear from people. I hope people listen to this show and give us their honest feedback in the comments. I'm a little afraid, <laughs> but actually I can't wait to hear from people. All right, that's our show. Zach, Zach, thank you for joining us on this episode of The Bro Show. This was really delightful. Thank you, it was a privilege. Um, you could also call it Sleep Sack. Okay, we're gonna move on. And thank you all for listening to this very special episode of Gadget Lab. If you have feedback, you can find all of us on Twitter. Just check the show notes. Our show is produced by the excellent Boone Ashworth. Goodbye for now, and we'll be back next week with another scintillating topic. Don't forget to microdose. Hackers and cybercriminals have always held this kind of special fascination. Obviously, I can't tell you too much about what I do. It's a game. Who's the best hacker? And I was like, well, this is child's play. I'm Dina Temple-Raston, and on the Click Here podcast, you'll meet them and the people trying to stop them. We're not afraid of the attack. We're afraid of the creativity and the intelligence of the human being behind it. Click here. Stories about the people making and breaking our digital world. AI machines. Satellite. Engine ignition. Click here. And liftoff. Click here. Every Tuesday and Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you. And how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com.